0: I want to talk to you this morning about my greatest fear as a pastor, and I think when I tell you what it is, I really think you may be surprised, and number two, I think when I share about what I'm going to be sharing, that you're going to also be surprised that it has something to do with you. It's not just about me i mean who wants to get up and get dressed and come to church to hear the preacher talk about his greatest fear as a pastor who cares well he cares but who else cares well when i finish this morning i think you're going to say you are right on target with what you shared this morning and i'm looking forward to sharing it now i'm always trying to think now I've had the advantage of studying the sermon, preparing the sermon, crafting the sermon, and then the people come. They've not had that advantage. How can I make it so that when they leave, it stays in their mind? And I think one of the best ways to do that is if I can do something visual. You know, if I can see something, it seems to stick in my mind very, very good. And so I asked Rick the first of the week, I said, Rick, Could you see if you could find me three posts? And Rick found three posts, Uh, I hope. Well, Rick, have you lost the posts? There they are. All right, now, well, first of all, let me say this. It doesn't take a genius to find three posts, okay? I mean, all right, but these three posts, all of my sermon is built around these three posts. And with each post, there is a word. And if you're taking any notes, if you would just jot down these words, I mean, if you're creative, you can draw a post. But if you don't draw a post, if you can just remember these three words, I think you'll be amazed how this will stick with you and stay with you and help you as you journey through your Christian life. Post number one is the word what, W-H-A-T. Post number two is the word why, W-H-Y. And post number three is the word how, H-O-W. Now look at those three posts and those three words and, and let me flesh them out just for a moment. What stands for, what is my greatest fear as a pastor? I have been a minister, ordained in the ministry a little over 53 years ago. I was 10 years of age when I became a minister. Well, now you're with me better than I had thought you might be. That's good. No, I was far beyond 10 years of age. But I've been a minister for a little over 53 years. And as I look back on this 53 years, what I'm going to be sharing this morning is what I fear most. Because one day I will stand before God accountable for how I did what I'm going to be talking about this morning. If you want to write down a Bible verse and look it up later, in Hebrews... Chapter 13, verse 17, the Bible talks about the ministers, those who serve the Lord, those who lead the churches. And one of the things that verse says is that we are are accountable for the souls of the people. In other words, one day I'm going to stand before God, just like one day you'll stand before God. But when I stand before God, one of the things is I'm going to be accountable for these 53 plus years so far how i cared for the souls of the people because in the end that's all that really matters your soul lives on beyond your body and so uh what is my greatest fear that word why can we get the three posts back up just for a moment where oh they are behind me okay I'm looking at the screen over here there they are thanks much okay the word why is 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 like why is this my greatest fear and i'll show you that in the Bible and then the word how how does my greatest fear have anything to do with you the fact of the matter is my fear has everything to do with you and we'll just jump in at that point now let's go back to the what I'm ready to talk about it. What is my greatest fear as a pastor? And here's what it is. My greatest fear as a pastor is that I would not have not made it clear what a person has to do to go to heaven. That's a tremendous fear that I have. Look at it on the screen. Is that I would not make clear what a person must do to go to heaven. You say, well, how in the world could you do that? two ways. Number one, in sermons that I've preached about becoming a Christian, being a Christian, how you go to heaven, not be clear, not present the whole gospel. Much today I listen to is not the whole gospel. It's part of the gospel. But this other part is so very vital, and we're going to talk about this morning. The second way I could do that, and I fear I've not, Over these many, many years, I've talked to hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of boys and girls, children, students, adults, just one-on-one conversations, sharing the gospel, talking to them about about becoming a Christian, presenting the plan of salvation. And I look back on that and, and ask myself, now, did I do that? Did I tell the whole story? Or did I just kind of water it down and give assurance to non-believers? You see, many people have this idea. As long as they just believe there's a God, and as long as they believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins by his shed blood, and as long as they have asked him to forgive their sins, then when they die, they go to heaven. Now listen to me. There's something huge missing in that. Yes, to to, to go to heaven, we do have to believe there's a God. And we do have to believe Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood to pay for our sins. And yes, we do have to ask God to forgive us of our sins, come into our life, make us a Christian. But that is not the whole gospel. That is part of the gospel. And that's what I want to deal with this morning. Now, let's move quickly to post two. Post two is, why do I have this fear? Why would this even be on my mind, in my heart? Well, the answer to that is found in words that Jesus spoke. If you'd open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter number seven, I want to show you three verses that have the words of Jesus that They are the reason that this is my greatest fear. This is the reason. Now, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the sermon that Jesus preached. We know as the Sermon on the Mount. We have it over in the Gospel of Luke. We are most familiar, most of us, with the Gospel of Matthew's record of this Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is called the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. It was preached by Jesus. Interesting. You can read the entire sermon in about 18 minutes. You hear that, John? 18 minutes. Greatest sermon ever preached. Hear that, Pastor. Hear that, Don Piper. Hear that, all of us. The greatest sermon ever preached, 18 minutes. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but about so. Now, As you come over in chapter 7, I want you to look with me in verse 21. In chapter 7, verse 21, this is why my greatest fear is that I may not have been clear what you must do to go to heaven. Jesus said, I'm reading now from the New Living Translation. Whatever translation you have, uh, you can follow. Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. Jesus said, but I will reply. Now look at this reply. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, if you look back in verse 21, in those three brief verses, there are three groups Jesus addresses, all of which you would think all of them would have gone to heaven. Now, some would. He didn't say none. He said many, but I'm going to name these three groups. First of all, what I'm going to call, when you read those three verses, I see these proclaimers. That is, they proclaim to be Christians. Verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The word Lord twice, is important. They were proclaiming that they were followers of Jesus. Now, fast forward to our day. This would be the group that has made their profession of faith. They've probably been baptized. In our day and time, they've joined the church. Uh, Their family believes they're Christians. They say they are. People they work around, people they go to school with, they say, well, he's a Christian. They proclaim to be a Christian. They like sharing their testimony when they're asked about how they became. They are always proclaiming that they are believers. But if you notice what Jesus says of this group as these other two groups he said many of them i'm going to say to them on judgment day i never knew you now this second group uh if you look in verse 22 says on judgment day many will say to me lord lord uh, we have prophesied in your name i'm calling these the prophesizers the prophesizers these are the ministers these are the preachers these are the missionaries these are the sunday school bible teachers These are those that are teaching the word of God and whatever said it. He said, look, I know you've been doing all that, but something's missing. Jesus said, I'll say to you, I never knew you. And then this third group, this third group is really, uh, I'm just going to name them the producers. Look at it again. They said, many, we've cast out demons in your name. We've performed many miracles in your name. See, these were the the people, the zealous people, the successful people, the busy people in God's Word. And Jesus is saying to them, No, many of you, I'm going to say, I never knew you. Now, here's a question Well, who is it? How do you go to heaven? I mean, if you've done all this, and Jesus is saying to many, that have done all this, I'm going to say, I never knew you. question is, what must we do to go to heaven? Well, that's what we want to do with this morning. And the missing piece is the word repentance. The word is repentance. You see, faith without repentance is half the gospel. And much of the preaching that I hear today on TV, when the appeal is made about making a decision for Christ, it's it's half the gospel. And it's frightening to me. And then I say, but look, I'm not the judge of those. I need to take care of my own business. And that's where I begin to say, God, am I preaching half the gospel if I'm preaching the whole gospel? You say, Pastor, what is the whole gospel? Here's what it is. It's repentance and faith. You'll never go to heaven just by faith. Let me remind you, the Bible says the devil believes there's a God. The Bible says the book of James that the devil's angels believe there's a God. So just believing there's a God is not going to get anybody in heaven. Just believing that Jesus died on the cross. Well, I have faith he died on the cross. I have faith he shed his blood for my payment of my sin. Debt. But that's not going to get a person to heaven. That's half the story. The other half the story, this is the part you must do, the part I must do, and that is the repentance part. It's interesting. When you read the Gospels, after Jesus' baptism, and then uh, after his temptation experience, then Jesus began what's known as his public ministry. And the first thing he did in his public ministry, you can read it later in Mark chapter number one, He he preached a sermon, and the first sermon that Jesus ever preached in his public ministry is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, and what Jesus said is, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe. That's repentance and faith. When Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, they went out preaching, repent and turn to God. One day in Luke chapter number 13, and I'm going to flip over in Luke chapter 13 in my Bible, if you'd like to, it's Luke chapter 13 in verse 3 is where I'm going. But in Luke chapter 13, you find Jesus preaching to a crowd. And in that sermon, in that discourse, not a sermon, in what he said to them, he said to them, uh, you will perish unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. So this whole idea of repentance we, we hear very little about it. We don't hear a whole lot about sin. You know, we, in fact, we hear a lot of jokes about sin. People snigger about sin. They, they, they make kind of fun and light of sin. But listen, sin's a serious matter. And... What we do to get rid of our sins is an even more serious matter in a personal way. We must repent of our sins, and then we must put our faith and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question. What is repentance? The Bible is very clear. Repent, repent, and believe. That's the whole gospel. What does it mean to repent? there's a lot of misunderstanding about that well the word repent comes from a greek word i'll give you the word you may want to just kind of jot it down and and deal with it later but it's metanoia like if you were going to write that just kind of like we would pronounce it it'd be m-e-t-a meta then noia n-o-i and then dash a metanoia and so in our english bibles of course, we don't read our English Bibles in Greek, we read our English Bibles in, in English. But every time you find the word repent, it is a translation of this word metanoia. Now, here's the question. What is involved in repentance? In other words, the Bible says we have to repent and believe to go to heaven. Well, I know what it means to believe. What does it mean to repent? Well, there are four things involved in this word repentance. And I wish you'd zero in at this point in the sermon. This is very, very important. What does repentance mean? What does it involve? Well, number one, it involves a a heartfelt sorrow for sin. That's the first thing. That's not all it involves. There's not much of that today. See, we, we have ourselves believe in like we're good people. We're decent people. We've been raised to tell the truth, to do what's right, be honest. Well, that's good. <laughs> but, but the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. The only person who's good is God. What we are, we're really not good. We're really born with a sin nature. We come into this world that way. We were conceived in sin. So this is just our DNA. We have this sin nature. And at some point in life, like the Apostle Paul, we realize That we're sinners. Paul said, you know, Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief sinner. I'm the number one sinner, he said. The apostle Paul, right into the Romans, said, oh, wretched man that I am. And he went on to say, what I don't want to do is what I do. What What I do is what I don't want to do. I can relate to that. Sometimes I do what I know I shouldn't do or don't want to do. I think something I shouldn't think. We all do that. Well, that's this battle between flesh and spirit. Well, we have to have a heartfelt sorrow for sin. Number two, we have to turn from our sins. That's what repentance means. Uh, Like we're going down a highway. We're going down a highway. And if it's not on God's highway, we're going in the wrong direction. If If we have a heartfelt sorrow for sin and we turn, you turn 180 degrees and you begin to go in the complete opposite direction so we we turn from our sins number 3 we make a commitment to forsake our sins okay we have to say, okay, I, I, I'm I, not going that way anymore. I'm going to turn. I'm going to forsake my sins. I'm going to make a commitment not to go back that way anymore, and then I turn to God. I have a little something for our screen I think will help us at that point if they'll put it up there. There it is there. I'll move aside where we can all see. It's a good picture here. The guy on the left, the non-Christians, burned down with sin. That's how we are in life. He repents of that sin. What does he do? He has a heartfelt sorrow for that sin. What does he do? He turns from that sin. He makes a commitment to forsake that sin. And then he puts his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Now, in our lives, whether we are Christian or not a Christian, we are aware that there are things right and wrong and we're aware there are things that god would want us not to do and things god would want us to do and there's always this battle that goes on like maybe it's some thought in our mind or maybe it's something we do or somewhere we go or maybe it's something that has a grip on our life maybe it's an addiction of our life maybe it's pornography maybe it's lust Maybe it's an unforgiving spirit. I mean, the list is endless of things that, that can get into our life. And we we, we we look at that, and we we have a heartfelt sorrow for that, and we say, God, I know this is not right. I know what I think is not right. I, I know this is not right. I know that is not right. And, God, what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn from that, and I'm not going that way anymore. In, in the first service, we had many in our recovery ministry who Uh, I bless God. They, you know, their their struggle is addiction of drugs or addiction of this, addiction of that. And praise God, they they've turned from that. They've made a commitment to forsake that. But here's what happens: we're human beings, and sometimes we slip back the old way. Now Billy Graham made a statement. John was talking to me about my sermon, and he said, "Dad, Billy Graham made a statement about repentance that I think is very helpful." And John told me what the statement was. I said, where did you read that? He said, I didn't read it. I heard him in a sermon. You ought to write this one down. Billy Graham said, and I think this is worth the whole sermon. Billy Graham once said in a sermon, you have to ask God to help you with repentance. Boy, that is so true. Because many times we see something, we know it's not right. We turn from it. We go the other way. We've made a commitment to forsake it. But after a while, we're back to that. Our mind goes back to that. Listen, in your flesh... In my flesh, we are not strong enough to do it by ourselves. We have to ask God to help us with repentance. And when we do, it is a glorious, glorious, wonderful thing. Now, listen carefully. Here's where we get tripped. Many people think that, that sorrow for sin is repentance. No, it's not. Sorrow for sin is not repentance. Jot a Bible verse down. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, the Bible says, Worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So sometimes people say, man, I really, I really hate I did that. I, I have a, I'm just sorry I did that. I'm sorry I thought that. I'm sorry that. In their mind, they think they've repented. No, they, they've not repented at all. They're just sorry they did it. Remorse is not repentance. A good example of that would be Judas. The Bible tells us Matthew chapter 27, you know the story, Judas betrayed Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver. And then he went back to the religious leaders and said, look, I've sinned. I, I don't want this. He threw the silver down. It says he was full of remorse. You remember what Judas did? He turned around and he walked out and he hanged himself. What he did not do, he did not repent. Here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Don't confuse sorrow, remorse, guilt, regret for repent. They are not the same. And we get in our mind, they are the same. Now, this gets us to the how, this is the good part. You say, well, pastor, how does all this have anything to do with me? Listen to me carefully, has everything to do with you. Here's the question. Here's the question. Have you ever repented of your sins? Now you think about that a moment. Has there ever been a time in your life where you really had a heartfelt sorrow for sin? You knew what you thought was not right. You knew what you did was not right. You knew this, that, and yonder. You knew that didn't meet God's approval. And you really felt a a heartfelt sorrow about it. And you said, I'm going to turn from that. I'm going in the other direction. I'm done with that. That's in my rearview mirror, 180 degrees. And I'm making a commitment to forsake that sin the rest of my life. And then I add to that, ask God to help you do that. The question is, have you ever repented before you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And obviously you believe there's a God or you wouldn't be in church. You believe Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood to pay for your sins. You wouldn't be here if you didn't believe that. The question is, has there been a time in your life where you have said to yourself, I am a sinner. I'm not a perfect person, (laughs) you know, in the eyes of God, I'm filthy rags. That's really what I am. I, I'm, that is who I am in the flesh. That's who we all are in the flesh. But the blood of Jesus can wash us whiter than snow. And that's my question this morning. Have you ever repented of your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt when you die? Not because you're good. <laughs> because you've admitted you're not good, and you've repented of that. You've put your faith and trust in Jesus. You say, Pastor, if I died this afternoon, based on what the Bible teaches, I know I'm going to heaven. Now, my question is, do you know that?